Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor for Variety. Today, my guest in New York is Rob Chernow, president of programming for A&E Networks, which is the home of cable heavyweights A&E, History, and Lifetime. Chernow has ridden the cable roller coaster for most of the past 20 years. He's been with A&E since 2003 and worked as a producer for history before that. In our conversation, Cher now talks about the strategic challenges facing the ad-supported cable business. He offers some insights into the exercise and brand focus that allowed A&E and history to buck the trend against declining ratings and grow their audiences over the past two years. And he reveals how the team at Lifetime learned to stop trying to run away from the legacy of the Lifetime movie and actually embrace it in a big way for fun and profit. Rob Chernow, President of Programming for A&E Networks. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak with us. Absolutely. Uh, lovely to be here. Tell me what it was that allowed you to kind of turn the tide with programming, with ratings. Um, as I understand, you really took a big focus on leaning in to the, to the core audience of the, those three networks. Yeah, I, you know... I think we have we are having a wonderful renaissance right now across all of our brands, which is unusual. And I think I get that question a lot, where um, we do seem to be bucking a major trend. But I think one of the things that's happening across the industry that I think really speaks to how why I think we're doing well right now is we're in an age of unbelievable distraction. And unbelievable, I don't want to say excuses, but there's a million reasons why uh, I think people in, in my profession have reason to panic. It's like there's, there, are, there are incredible shifts going in in consumption and who's got the biggest SVOD service and where, where are things being consumed. And I think, again, I think one of the things we've done very well here is really try and drown out all the distraction and stay focused on the core mission of what the brands has always been, which is just to super serve the audience. And it sounds, it sounds simple and reductive, but it really is just about that. And I think one of the things that Paul Buccieri has done incredibly well is align the entire company around fewer priorities. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you talk about like focus, you know, really offering focused brands that super serve an audience, I think that's part of it. It isn't as much as I would love to take credit for all our success, I do think it's been a holistic shift in focusing the entire company on the right things at the right time and making sure that, you know, we're all getting behind the things that really are going to, are going to move the dial for us. And again, I think a lot of companies and a lot of my competitors are very distracted and not necessarily just worrying about like, okay, are you making the best show um, for the audience that you want to serve on your platform. And if you answer that question well and clearly, I think everything else does fall into place. And, uh, and again, I think we've done an incredible job not being distracted by every other question that's coming about, you know, you talked about CES and all of the, when will the cochlear implant happen that will, <laughs> that will yeah. really radically change how we're consuming? At the end of the day, everyone's consuming, going to consume what they want to consume. Um, and it's our job to still make sure that we are providing things that are exciting, unique, and again, super serve what I think the audience wants, wants from us. You know, the, the 
again, the rebound of A&E in history in particular kind of, you know, it, it goes against the conventional wisdom that you just can't bring viewers to live TV anymore unless it's sports, unless it's some gigantic, you know, the Grammy Awards or, you know, a big event telecast. How have, and obviously that, that's wildly overstated, what in in that process of leaning in did you guys did you guys really like drill down and look at who was your core live linear audience how did how did you decide where to focus on those that shorter list of priorities it's really about it, it's really about like leaning into the obvious and i do mm-hmm. think that you know taking them one at a time i think the, the best example is obviously a and e a and e which went from 17th in the ranker slowly climbing over the past few years to now we're number squarely number three which is i think our highest rank ever right um and i think the the sort of the thing that happened in and around a and e was really a focusing on what we had always been doing best over the past decade which is this front row nonfiction. Um, I think two shows really were the sort of the the sort of lights that led us through the storm, and one of them is First Forty Eight, um, which has been on the air I think fifteen years, mm-hmm. um, but is actually experiencing its highest ratings in five years r- recently. It's, it's one of those shows that just um, I think it is a best in class show and really sort of led the charge in terms of a certain type of nonfiction crime storytelling. And it's a it's the first forty eight hours of an investigation Absol- of, a, of some kind of serious crime or a murder. Exactly, it's an immersive documentary, mm-hmm. verite documentary look at the first forty eight uh, hours of a murder investigation. The premise being that if the key piece of evidence is not unveiled within the first forty eight hours, the crime usually does not get solved. So there's an amazing. Again, this is a show that's you know we've made hundreds of episodes of. It's really been an incredible anchor for us. The other show is Intervention. Intervention, also a show that's been on more a veteran, than, yeah, uh, another ten-year-old show. But again, I think there is a um, there's a purpose and a style and an attitude uh, about Intervention that really did help forge what I think the model became for what was going to make us most successful. This is what. Our audience, you know, these are the shows that, A, were the most successful. They were the most critically lauded. They were the ones that won Emmys. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, those those two shows really um, were, were, were foundational shows, and we started building in and around those nonfiction beachheads. And obviously we've had a lot of success with Live PD, but there have been a lot of other nonfiction formats Leah Remini was a huge success for us. The Scientology. The right? Scientology. So, Born This Way, you know, again, I think a- A&E has always led with, um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, at a time when um, quality scripted drama was being flooded, I think A&E was able to jump in and really claim a, a, a unique space in quality unscripted um, and that people really came to expect a really high level of expecta- uh, execution from us. Um, but also to put viewers on the front lines of issues that are most urgent and high, high stakes. Um, and did you um, was there anything was there anything promotionally that you did different for those shows to get those ratings up? Did you because most of this is it's largely live viewing, correct? It's not, it's not a lot of it is delayed. Yeah, I mean we we've had it. In, we definitely have great appointment viewing on all. Most of the shows I just named, 
Um, and I think, again, it's a unity of focus of the company. I think when, you know, um, Paul gathers the department heads um, from PR, social marketing, and programming, there, uh, I think there is a singularity of focus um, in our company that you don't see very often. And again, when, when I compare us to the SVODs, and I, I won't pick on any of them individually, where they literally have hundreds of launches and m- megastars you know, popping up all over the place, it's almost hard to keep track. Um, I, I know, you know, as a consumer, it's hard to keep track. But I think even within the company, it's hard to keep track. Wow, what are we really focusing on here? What's, you know, when, when you're Walmart and you sell everything, um, what does that really mean? At A&E, guess what? We, we knew we were going to make uh, live PD a priority, and we did. We knew we were going to make 60 days a priority, 60 days in a priority, and we did, and that's now our highest-rated show. You know, shows like Intervention and Leah Remini, they got the sort of, the, the, sort of, the kind of care and attention mm-hmm. um, when you really have to pick, pick your babies, and uh, I, I do think it's a, you get a different result. And I think the, the audience wants to know what matters. I think more than ever, the audience wants uh, curation, mm-hmm. and they do mm-hmm. want a brand to be able to step forward and say, "Hey, here's what we really believe in. Here's what we think that you will you will really engage with," um, as opposed to, "Well, here's a thousand things. Right. Go pick, right. and you know our our matrix will help figure figure it out." Um, we we definitely have a more boutique approach where we we feel a lot of. Uh, pride in in getting behind singular choices and really believing in them. Was there an element A and E had experimented, you know, had dabbled in the scripted arena for for a while? Was there an element of looking at it and looking at the landscape and the competitive landscape, as you said, you know, incredible amounts of money and budget and promotion going into scripted programming from the Netflixes and Amazons of the world. Was, it, was there a point that you looked at the scripted business and just said, we just can't do this on A&E? Yeah, you know, look, I, A&E had an unbelievable track record in scripted. I think when I look back on A&E's scripted drama slate, it was wildly successful relative to how many we did. We never, we never had a huge slate, but Bates Motel, one of the highest rated best critically acclaimed shows on television. You know, and, and all throughout the lifespan of A&E's drama strand, we always, I think, punched above our weight class. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I was congratulated as much for Mad Men as any other show. And I think that, that you know, AMC, A&E, like, oh, I think there was right. a, lot of, a lot of confusion out there in the marketplace, particularly as a lot of our competitors were proliferating their slates. Um, We're like, okay, how can we really have a voice that cuts through here? And again, I think there was a lot of brand confusion, um, unfortunately, with our drama. That said, I do think there are, you know, A&E has a great, you know, we have a great drama studio. We've always had great success with drama on A&E. So it wasn't as if we were launching things that weren't working. They were working. Um, incredibly well, but I think the decision to sort of focus on non-scripted um, and really clarify and simplify the offering for the audience during this period was very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the importance of having a big, fresh franchise that comes in, and this one in particular, because of the nature of the show, can really it really takes up a lot of real estate on your air? Yeah, I mean, Live PD has been a game changer for sure, but it's a game changer that has... Uh, 
you know, follows a similar path that our company has always followed. It's an original show. We did not go out and buy a sports franchise. We did right. not go out and spend $500 million on movie rights. Or a sitcom rerun. Or a sitcom right. rerun. We actually made something ourselves, and we're extremely proud. We, we actually make the show here um, with our partners, Big Fish. But, like, it, it's something that, um, and again, I think that's been the A&E and history story from the beginning. When I looked at, you know, when I look back at our past and some of the mega successes we've had, some of them we've just discussed... You know, we make our own reality. In other words, like, you know, the, you know, the, the, I look at the success history had with Pawn Stars and American Pickers. Again, we're still, we're still benefiting from those shows. Um, but those were self-made, too, and, and took up a lot of real estate with original content. Um, so I do think, like, Live PD has been amazing and continues to be. But it's also of a piece. I think mm-hmm. this, is, this is really how our company has evolved over the years and always when, whenever we're having these moments of success it's usually on the backs of of our original stuff and uh you know i do think it's interesting because live pd has become so such so prevalent in culture mm-hmm. which is amazing which is what you hope for that it, in some ways it has overshadowed some of our other shows like I mentioned to you before, 60 Days In is actually, I, think, I believe, our highest rated show. And it's almost taken for granted now that this was a, an incredibly bold, innovative format um, that still brings in a huge audience. Um, and I think a lot of the a and you know, again, a and now has a complete ecosystem of non-scripted, right. which I think is really helping uh, super serve the viewers of that stuff. So let's talk about history, where you are about to embark on a big initiative, a big priority for you, multi-part documentary series about people whose names we know, but telling some of the stories that maybe aren't as well-known about people. And you're starting, appropriately enough, on President's Day with the premiere of Washington. Tell me about the importance of this initiative to history going forward. Uh, Well, history, you know... For us, history is more than a channel. It's really a, it's a category. And there is a mission to history that I think we are re-embracing, that, that there, you know, we, we do have a responsibility um, to bring the past alive and make it relevant for our viewers. And I think that, that my, my main focus over the next couple of years will be to really um, bring a lot more core documentary to the channel Washington is sort of an opening salvo in this in this new uh, battle we're going to be uh, waging. Um, but I do think there, you know, a it's baked into our name. It's history, mm-hmm. and I think we are going to be pushing against an open door of expectation of what people really want from us, um, which is to sort of super serve their curiosity about history. I think Washington's a perfect example of something that everyone takes for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is a tremendous amount of information about George Washington that most viewers don't know, or and a lot of the assumptions we make about him are are is misinformation. I think one of the one of the things that I've enjoyed most is watching um, our team build these productions, and we have a lot in production, as you know. We have an entire slate of of core documentary stuff coming, but what's happened is we've been able to assemble sort of almost like a, a super team of historians, storytellers, and experts to tell these stories in a way that I don't think they've been told before. Um, because there is a hunger for this. We are in an age where, you know, facts and truth are being questioned on the news networks. And I do think the news networks are trafficking in something very different where, you know, they sort of chop up 
the, the meat of current events into right. hamburger patties and sell them quickly. <laughs> I think what we're trying to do with history is be definitive. Um, give you a steak. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're trying to give you a really full, nourishing meal that you can really, uh, you know, can, you know, dine on, um, or everyone can dine on, and, and pu- presents the most complete perspective we can, we can on these subject matters. I mean, Washington's a great example where Doris Kearns Goodwin is executive producing. She's our, one of our leading presidential historians. She had never really done Washington before, so this is really a great experience for her. But what she did was bring in all of the leading Washington experts mm-hmm. um, to be our voices to tell the story. She also brought in, uh, or our producers helped bring in, you know, leaders uh, like Bill Clinton and Colin Powell to talk very specifically about him as a military leader or as a president. Um, and then, you know, so on top of that, we have these unbelievable cinematic dramatizations with an incredible feature film director directing those those moments with Shakespearean actors. Like, you know, so you're getting a this very, very rich broth, um, a look at Washington that I don't think anyone's ever attempted before. And I do think that's what the viewer demands. Like, the viewer wants to know that they're watching something definitive or like really that 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 merits their time it's the it's the tv's version of a deep dive exactly but let me ask the skeptical question how do you make the reenactments not seem cheesy uh i invite you to watch the show because i think when you watch it you will see something that looks a lot more like a very high-end feature film um than what you might have seen 10 years ago um, with people in bad wigs. I mean, you really, uh, you know, I would put our production value up against basically anything. Um, and again, I think the difference with history is we are paying a, a very, very close attention to historical detail in these recreations. And we take a lot of pride in the accuracy of the uniforms and the, and the horses they rode and, mm-hmm. and, and all of those things. Um, so you are, uh, you know, I think... You know, I'll leave it to the viewers, but I, I would stand behind what, what our producers have done. Um, and to be clear, these are like sort of moments in between more traditional documentary, you know, Doris Kern, Kearns Goodwin and people talking about Washington. It's, yeah, it's, it's really a, you know, again, I think we are telling the story in a different way. I think there is a very traditional way of documentary storytelling where you're just looking at a still photograph and zooming right. in very slowly, and then you're hearing from your experts. What we are trying to do is bring every storytelling tool that we can in our arsenal to tell these stories. So it really comes alive mm-hmm. in a multidimensional way. Um, again, like I don't think others are doing it quite this way. Um, and I do th- feel like we have a lot of gatekeepers. We, are, we have you know, U.S. presidents mm-hmm. and Pulitzer Prize winning historians, and they are really helping guardrail the process. So when you look at it, you're not going to see a cheesy guy on a on a lame horse. Right. You're going to see something that really meets the standard of I think everyone who's putting their name against this project and and the pro- all the projects we're doing in that area. Um, but I do think there's a hunger for this this kind of thing. Like and again, it's something that sort of it's it's timeless. It does speak. It, it speaks to our current moment, but more importantly, it really enriches us as human beings because we look at the struggles of these people as human beings also. 
and in a multi-episode format for you guys as a business. That's probably a better proposition for you than a big two-hour, you know, big two-hour something that you a, a two-hour that you promote as a one-time event versus this is something that can build regular viewing. Is that is that been a factor in thinking about how to present these docu these elevated docu series? Yeah, I mean, well, we definitely are trying to choose subjects that merit long long form storytelling, and I think there is a you know there have been entire books written about Washington's early life right. or Washington's experience in the French-Indian War or Washington's experience as president only or as general. So, like, I think when you're dealing with people as... And same with Grant. When you're dealing with people as complex and who have led such uh, storied lives, it, it's, you're not stretching the taffy very far. And that <laughs> yeah. is one of, the, one of the negatives I see in our business, and this is a different subject, is I think there is a lot of taffy stretching going on um, to the detriment of the audience, frankly. I think that a lot of um, nonfiction and, and scripted, you know, take something and try and make it, make it longer because they can. And that's not always best for the consumer. Again, in this case... I think we are choosing subjects that you know are merit, you know, long form storytelling, um, and we really don't have a cookie cutter, uh, a cookie cutter approach. It's really whatever we think the subject and the approach demands, we will do. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the sort of the bigger picture of brand focus for history, did you go through that same process as you did with A and E, and kind of really looking at what that core audience wanted, or did was history not quite history hadn't fallen quite as far ratings wise so maybe it wasn't as much of an urgency there yeah I, I think um, I think history yeah history's still a top brand and like again I, I think you're right history did not experience the the down uh, that that A&E did but uh, again for me um, as someone who came to the company to work on history um, I've been in graduate school like I just wanted to connect history more to history um, and people to think of us as the place where you go for that kind of stuff. And, like, I, again, we've always had it. It's always been part of our DNA, but I've, I always felt like it should be the primary part, the part we put in our front window. So when they, you know, when I think viewers think of us, they think of us as being the leaders in that area. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also do have a pretty broad slate of more traditional, you know, sorry, you do have a, a broad slate of unscripted shows some mm-hmm. in the you know verite and some in the american pickers and mm-hmm. um is that does that you feel like that balance is working for history in terms of in terms of audience do, you, do the different types of shows i would imagine draw slightly different demographics well i think when the shows work that you know american pickers is a great example american pickers is infused with history it is a in the moment right. adventure show where he's out collecting stuff but searching through America's attics you know? yeah but you really are like that it, that's a show where I actually think it does harmonize really beautifully because people go to that show the currency of all not all but like most of the most successful shows on history is always information and I think that something like American Pickers is infused with information about whatever he's discovering the history of the object the history of the person who owns the object, and you're really seeing American history through a very different lens. And that's, you know, I mean, those guys really feel a mission 
uh, of what they do and to do it properly and to treat everyone with respect. So there, there is a level of where I think that when, when it works well, I think it, all the pieces really do harmonize nicely and can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk about Lifetime, which I know is still a little bit more of a work in progress. Um, you've embarked on a very big initiative of you are doing traditional, you know, you're, you're almost like you're embracing, you're embracing the Lifetime movie as opposed to, as opposed to for, for years it felt like, you know, Lifetime was trying to be anything but the notion of the Lifetime movie. And now um, it, it, there's very much a, there's a, there's a robust slate of long form that, as I understand, you, you have ordered so many TV movies that you are thinking of them as a series unto themselves. Can you talk about the, the sort of the evolution of that strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think where, again, it was, it was all about just leaning into what our core competence is. And I think on, you know, a e it was cutting-edge nonfiction, on history, the history category, <laughs> on the Lifetime, I think if you were to associate Lifetime with most consumers, they'd say movies. Um, so over the past year and a half, we've really been focusing a lot more energy on building out our, our movie capability and really super serving the audience of the Lifetime movie and loving them. I think there was a little bit of a moment where, um, you know, the Lifetime movie, um, we sort of backed away a little bit from the strategy, um, which... You know, n- now looking looking at it now, it's like, well, this is what our viewers love. Why not, why not lean right. into it? And I and I do think we've had some kind of amazing results um, with what we're doing on Lifetime. And what we're trying what we're trying to do is really focus on the genres and areas that we know our viewers love most. Um, we have had a tremendous success with reintroducing our holiday movies, um, which we had. We're basically first in the game in original Christmas movies, and, and, and then seeded to other other competitors. Seeded to yeah. other competitors, but we 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 sort of just got back into the game in the past couple of years to great success. It's really been wonderful to see all the viewers return to us um, for our Christmas movies, which offer sort of a, a you know. And again, I think we do it in a unique way. We really embrace diversity and a different kind of storytelling than some of our competitors do. Um, but then also leaning into the stuff that. Can we just know our viewers love the rip from the headlines category is something that we've always um, done incredibly well with our Megan and Harry movie was one of our, you know, most highly rated movies of the past couple of years. We just had a huge success with the Kamaya Mobley story, which Robin Roberts produced for us, which I believe is the highest rated movie of the television season. Um, but I think really leaning into um, rip from the headlines and what that means um, and expanding it a little bit. I think people think, oh, it's traditionally just crime and blah, blah, blah. But I think we're looking at other stories um, represented by, you know, what Rip from the Headlines means, Megan and Harry being a good example of that. Um, but then we also have our biopics, and our and which our viewers love. We just had a great success with Patsy and Loretta, um, about Patsy Klein and Loretta Lynn. And again, one of the beauties of the whole genre, and I think that this is, again, gets back to your original question, is like, why do you think you're succeeding and what is the difference in what's going on at the company right now? And I think it's really leaning into the things that only, we'll, only we can do. In other words, like, we, 
we, we're the only ones who are going to make the Meghan and Harry movie, and we know there's an audience Within out there for it. Four we're, weeks of the big news. Yeah, right? yeah, we're, we're, we can do that. We're going to do that, and we're going to step in. And like, we, we are telling stories that I think only Lifetime can tell. And one of the things that I think we take a lot of pride in is, you know, we have kind of cut through also on a quality level. I think people, we have been trying to raise the game quite significantly. I think last year, um, I think we were the only non-SVOD service to be nominated for Best Film for Emmys um, with, for our Flint, our Flint Water Scandal movie with Queen Latifah. Really proud of that. This year we had, you know, um, you know, the Critics' Choice Award. Again, we were the only non-SVOD or pay service to be nominated for Patsy and Loretta, and both of our actresses were nominated for Best Actress. Um, and I do think that we, you know, we take a lot of pride in being being able to compete with some pretty heavy hitters. Um, but again, I think it's about super serving our audience. And I think there are a lot of services now that are getting into the movie business and they're doing every kind of movie. And they're sort of, sort of, you know, it, again, it's like a little bit of a Walmart um, approach to, to the business where, okay, we're just going to do everything. And I think Lifetime's focus has really helped us. So we're focusing on holiday movies, on rip from the headlines, on biopics, the things we know we do well and we know Mm -hmm. our viewers expect from us and we're just going to do more of them and do them as well as we can. Would you say that the movies have kind of taken the place of scripted series on Lifetime for now? Well, one of the, one of our proudest moments last year was we, 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 first of all, we're trying to innovate. I do think that the scripted drama space is incredibly congested right now, um, particularly you know, female-focused scripted drama series. There are dozens of them out there. And I think we are looking for different ways to win with scripted. I think the movie strategy is is scripted. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely, we do more scripted than almost any channel in cable. Um, it just happens to take the form of movies. One of the innovations that we're most proud of, that we're actually doing more of, um, is last year we, we did something very unusual in that we, um, we optioned and produced five uh, movies simultaneously that were based on a book series by V.C. Andrews. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we did was we put all five movies into production simultaneously. They were an interconnected, a loosely interconnected story, a family saga. And we, uh, and it was the Castile family saga, if you want to know the name of it. But what, what, you know, so, and we aired them all together. We aired them in a series, over a series of, of weekends so it, it kind of became a series unto itself. It became a series. And, and when we, first of all, it was a huge success for us. It really resonated with our movie audience, but it also um, did act as a series. And when we, you know, one of the things that did not get a lot of notice, which um, in some ways I'm glad it didn't because it's, it's, really, it's been a good strategy for us. <laughs> I don't want other people to copy is, you know, when you compare that, to all of scripted drama from last year, it would be the second highest rated new drama for women after Dirty John. Um, so in, in the cable arena. In the cable wow. arena, which mm-hmm. is like, uh, I don't think people, that registered for people, but it's like, wow, there were a lot of dramas launched last year. And when we look at the results of how that, what we called a, mo- uh, a movie series event did, mm-hmm. I do think that's provided a little bit of a path for us. We are doing another V.C. Andrews book series um, but I think that's a again. It's 
It feels like something others are not doing. It feels like it's uniquely tailored to what we know our viewers love. We know our viewers love book series, V.C. Andrews. Mm -hmm. We've had success in the past with V.C. Andrews titles. Um, so, And we, we are looking into other uh, ways to do movie kind of quote-unquote series events uh, the same way. That's an interesting way, to, interesting way to kind of get at that same audience just in a different way. Um, that must have been quite a logistical challenge to have five movies in production, I'm assuming obviously different producers, different production companies, and to coordinate plot points and things like that. That's though. Well, it is a little bit of a... Uh, it, it is... A challenge, but yeah, we are in some cases working with one production company. But we are looking as we look ahead. Sometimes when we really want to get something on, we will parse out different titles to different production companies. Ideally, we do give them to the same company, um, so there can be efficiencies. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was really cool to watch the team come together because I don't think anyone had ever done that quite that way, and to have it be as successful as it was was really. A, a great win for the team and again a win that didn't get a lot of attention but um, that's fine for us because can you talk about um, the cost profile of a, of a movie a two hour movie versus doing a ten episode series I mean does it financially does it work out to about the same per hour or are there efficiencies or are there benefits to doing to doing the TV movies the, the two I should say are there benefits to doing the two hour movies yeah, there, there are certainly financial benefits to the movie model. Um, and it's just, there, there are a lot of benefits to it in that I think one of the challenges for anyone doing series is, you know, your, your actor deals. Where I think when you're asking an actor to commit to a series, it could be 10 years worth of, of work. Very different when you're coming to them with something like this, where it's sort of like, okay, it it's, can be finite. And that really helps... Um, a, get really interesting talent into the movies, um, but it does make it a different financial conversation. And, and we, we have a, a robust uh, movie ecosystem where we have, you know, we, we use our movies a lot. We have our Lifetime Movie Network. network we have a right. Lifetime Movie Club. Um, so there's a, a sort of a long, deep, uh, you know, uh, pool for us to be able to like use our movies um, to great success and super serve that audience. And again, that's something others don't have, where we, they don't have a whole other channel dedicated to movies. That, that is, by the way, it sh I should mention, LMN is its own channel. Um, it has its own programming budget. We do 50 original movies a year for LMN. Um, Lifetime Movie Network. And there's no crossover between Very Lifetime? little. Wow. No, like some repeat, but like generally it's its own channel. It's really all thrillers all the time at this point. I have to say, as somebody who covers the business, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know that. That's very, that's interesting that LMN has its own... Has its own. I mean, that is for your hardcore, the lifetime lover that... I would imagine that that's kind of that audience. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things that I think um, Lifetime Movie Network is a very, very... Like, quietly, it's one of the most successful channels in cable. It actually outrates own... And E, and like I think you think of those, I gotta double check those, but like, I, you know, but I think we think of those channels as being these huge, cha you know, big channels, big brands, and like, oh, little LMN on a total day basis actually delivers a big audience. 
And again, it's about that one is a great example of just really clear brand focus. It's like we we do all thrillers, we stunt our thrillers. So we have every year we have our you know uh, you know a New Year's stunt called Deadly Resolutions, mm-hmm. and then we have Don't Mess with Mommy Weekend on Mother's <laughs> Day, and like they have a lot of fun with that brand, but. Um, again, it speaks to how much I think brand clarity matters these days. And if the audience is getting what they want, they will they will reward reward your channel. What is the most fun part of your job? What do you like the most about being president of programming for A&E Networks? You, you have a lot of you have a, so much subject matter to that you can explore. That seems like that would be a, a real perk. Uh, I think it's that you know the the thrill for me is watching ideas come alive and watching ideas come alive that a are extremely ambitious or seemingly impossible and I think live PD is a great example of that when that started as a piece of paper and all of the technological and legal and all the things that had to go into actually getting that show you know, onto the air, which seemed, when it was at the piece of paper stage, like a very distant possibility. But watching it, you know, the team build it and get excited and then make it a reality, it's thrilling. And, you know, I feel the same way about Washington. When we first started talking about Washington, it was very abstract. And it's like, hey, could we get Doris Kearns Goodwin? Could we get uh, all of these experts? Could we get president to you know you know and watch again watching those things come together it's it that's the dream for me it's like watching things that you can really feel great about and proud of um happening before your eyes and that's that's always the the magic and again that's the that's why i love our company because our company is always at at heart about making stuff Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.